It's time for the Fantasy Points Podcast, brought to you by FantasyPoints.com. Top-level fantasy football and NFL betting analysis from every perspective and angle, from numbers to the film room, with a single goal to help you score more fantasy points. We are back with another episode of On the Clock. It's me, your host, Brett Whitefield, and today I am flying El Solo. Listen, guys, we are one week away from the draft, and I think, you know, we had some great guests planned for you guys, but ultimately, I think everyone's trying to save their voice a little bit for next week. They're going into preservation mode, so we've had some some schedule shuffling, but it's okay because this is what I wanted to do anyways. For, from now until the draft, every day we are going to talk about the strength and weaknesses of the draft, and we're going to do position dives. I know you know, the format across the last, what, 40-something episodes has mostly been centered around mock drafts and also getting, you know, three players in per episode. But today we're going to go deep into the position group that I think is the strongest in this draft class. And for you fantasy listeners, I think you're going to like this. The, the two positions I think are the strongest are tight end and running back. And ultimately, like there are a ton of guys in this class that should help teams deep into the draft. I think we talked about it on the best ball stream last night. That is the fantasy points best ball stream. But there's running backs that could get drafted in the fifth round that could have a year one role in the NFL. And I think there might be more than one of them, actually. So I just want to get into these position groups. We're going to go player by player. We'll hit every position between now and the draft. Today, we're going to talk tight end and running back because, like I said, I think this is where the draft is the strongest. And ironically, these are two positions that aren't super valuable in the NFL. And a lot of teams have devalued these two positions. So I'm curious to see how the board will play out last year. If we jump right into the running back group, so last year we had six running backs go on day one and two. They actually all went day two because, um, yeah, there were no first-round running backs last year. Brees Hall was the first running back selected. Kenneth Walker right behind him. This year, there's a this class is so much deeper. I think there's a chance to see a lot of running backs go on day one and two. In fact, I have nine running backs scored as day one or two players, and then I have another four running backs that are right there in the mix. So let's just kick it off. Running back one for me in this class obviously is Bijan Robinson, the running back from Texas. This dude is a monster. I've compared him to William Wallace of the movie Braveheart and historical figure. When he gets through the, the line of scrimmage, and he gets through the point of attack, This dude sets up defenders better than anybody I've ever seen. His ability to force missed tackles, like he's he's just has this innate ability to isolate a defender, force a missed tackle, then work to the next defender, force a missed tackle, then work to the next defender and force a missed tackle. It's and it's similar to like William Wallace when he's on the battlefield, where you know he he finds one guy, he strikes him down, finds the next guy, strikes him down. Eventually, there's no one left to strike down in, in B. John Robinson standing in the end zone. So this dude is phenomenal, but he's he's a three-down skill set, a true three-down skill set. And you can make the argument 
he has put more on tape as a pass game weapon than any player in this draft class. This point is not being talked about enough. Bijan Robinson has done more for the pass game than any player in the draft class. I'm going to say it again. Bijan Robinson has put more on tape that suggests he is a true pass game weapon than any other running back in this draft class, more than Jameer Gibbs, more than Devin A-Chain, more than Tajay Spears, okay, more than Evan Hall. The way Texas deployed him last year as a true junior, they would use him in the slot. They would let him run a true wide receiver route, a two-way go against a safety playing quarters. They would put him outside. They'd run him on a slant, a shallow crosser. He was actually used these ways. These are the ways that people fantasize athletic running backs get used to get favorable matchups. But Bijan was actually used that way. Gibbs really wasn't. Gibbs was awesome in the past game, but he did it from a true running back alignment most of the time. He did it running flare routes and, you know, shallow out routes, Texas routes, you know, the angle routes, the traditional screen game, checkdowns. A lot of Gibbs' production came on checkdowns. So when when you're talking about what separates guys from being viable in the pass game to actually being a weapon in the pass game, it's the ability to take a matchup and and win one-on-one. And Bijan did this against more than just bad linebackers. He did this against defensive backs. So very impressive stuff. This isn't being talked about enough. Um, his ability in the past game, I think, is what sets him apart and makes him this quote-unquote generational talent. We've had a lot of really good running backs, runners of the football over the years. We haven't had many guys that can affect the pass game the way Bijan can. Christian McCaffrey is probably the last one. All right, Jameer Gibbs, my running back too. We just spent a little time talking about him in comparison to Bijan and what he does in the past game. But Gibbs has a little more juice than Bijan as far as, I would say, open field speed and acceleration he has the top end speed he's a he's a burner so he has the top end speed to erode angles um, I've compared him to Jalen Waddle when Jalen Waddle was at Alabama now obviously they play different positions uh, I get that but the effect that Waddle had on defenders when he got from zero to 60 as fast as he does is similar to what what you see from Jameer Gibbs he he just destroys angles uh, defenders, their pursuit angles get completely lost. They get confused. They over-pursue to the inside a lot. They over-pursue to the outside a lot. They they really have no clue how to, how to angle Gibbs in the open field. And then when he does get tracked down, if a guy does take a good angle, he does have the requisite moveset to make guys miss. He's dangerous. He's an open field weapon. I think Jameer Gibbs is what everyone wanted DeAndre Swift to be. Now, DeAndre Swift kind of lacks the toughness required to play running back in the NFL. He plays shy. He doesn't like to play through injury. I don't think Gibbs, I don't see that from Gibbs at all. Now, he's not a guy that's going to go stick his face in a fan over and over and over and give you 20 carries between the tackles, nor do you want him doing that. He's only 205 pounds or less. But he is a guy who's not afraid to take contact if he needs to. He will lower his shoulder to get to pick up first downs and in, in, in tough yards. But ultimately, he's just that that slasher, that speed, pass game weapon that everyone wanted DeAndre Swift to be. That is that is where he excels. 
I think pairing Gibbs with another tough running back could be really, really good for him and his longevity. But ultimately, I think he can be a, a full-time lead back in the NFL. He's just got to be on the right team. I think of a team like the Los Angeles Chargers. Could could Gibbs be a one-to-one replacement for Eckler there when they decide to move on? Absolutely he could. I think he would thrive in that role. Does that mean he's going to get – should get 90% of the work? No, he probably shouldn't. I think more 75-25 in that offense would work. Um, I think about like the Buffalo Bills. I think that would be a really, really good fit for him. And they have James Cook, who's probably, you know, uh, a lesser, much lesser version of Gibbs, but they kind of do similar things. But I think that could work. The Kansas City Chiefs, you know, they tried to tried to find this player in CEH back in, what, 2019, 2020? That was a bad draft pick. I had a fourth-round grade on Clyde Edwards-Elaire. They took him in the first round. I have a early second-round grade. So Jameer Gibbs scores as an 87.1 for me in my numeric scoring system, which is a, a scale of 0 to 100. My cutoff for first round is 87.5. He's an 87.1. So I have 22 first-round grades in this class, and Gibbs is you know my 27th player on my board. So if a team took him at the back end of the first round, I wouldn't say it's a bad pick, especially because of what he brings in the pass game. And the Chiefs are probably a good spot to do that. I don't know that they're going to find a receiver that will have as big of an impact as Gibbs will for that team. So my RB3 is Zach Charbonnet, UCLA. This dude, you know, he's he's got bell cow potential. He's a really tough runner between the tackles, but he actually, for his size, he excels heavily on power, on counter, outside zone, stuff working outside the tackles. He does a really, really good job with the stuff. He's got really good vision. He's got patient feet. He's got make-you-miss potential, and he runs super hard. He checks all three of the premium trait boxes for me. He's got soft hands. We've seen him be very successful on – now, like, listen, this – is. He's not a Robinson or a Gibbs in the pass game. I wouldn't say he's a pass game weapon, but he, he can be an every down player. There is a big difference. So Charbonnet was successful in the screen game. He was successful turning checkdowns into big plays and, and moving the chains and getting first downs or picking up seven on first and 10. Those are things you can rely on Charbonnet to do. Pretty good pass protector as well for college standards. Technique is sort of a mess, but all these guys have wonky technique when it comes to pass pro. Charbonnet, though, is a very willing blocker, just like uh, another guy we'll talk about in a minute in Roshan Johnson. These guys, you know, they lack a little bit of technique, but you have to remember at, at the college level, they're spending at most five minutes a week in, you know, team period working pass pro. That's it. Seriously, if you don't believe me, Go ask somebody else that's familiar with college practice schedules. Five minutes a week working running back pass pro at most, maybe less. So a lot of these guys are raw coming out, but Charbonnet's willing. He comes up. He loves to deliver a pop. That's what I like about him. So you, you, he checks the willingness box, which is really important. And, and the reason I'm spending so much time talking about pass protection for running backs is because unfortunately for a lot of these guys for them to get on the field early in their career especially in a, in a three down role they're going to need to be able to pass protect that's just that's a benchmark for most teams a lot of players will have to clean this up in otas rookie camp and and training camp 
Charbonnet comes in a little bit ahead of schedule here because of the willingness, because the size, the fact that he he does know how to come up and deliver a pop. He can use his hands. He gets a little overzealous, actually. He's so willing to come up and, and smash guys that he actually lunges quite a bit, um, which is going to get him killed at the NFL level. But I like to see the willingness, and I think he he'll turn himself into a three-down player rather quickly. And, and de- depending on the landing spot, guys, this dude could be um, a touch machine. Think about a team like Atlanta. Like, what if Atlanta grabbed Charbonnet in the second round? Like, that would be disgusting. Um, Tennessee, you know, as the heir apparent to Derrick Henry, like that would be another really good landing spot. Maybe not for year one, but if you're talking dynasty formats, I'd li- I'd like that quite a bit. RB four, Roshan Johnson. This dude, you know, I think I'm higher on him than just about everybody. His analytical profile is disgusting. You know, averaged over seven yards a carry the last two years. Forced four, or sorry, generated four and a half yards after contact per carry, which is, I've never seen a number like that on the volume he had. Um, Bijan, for reference, who's considered the GOAT, <laughs> was at four. So Johnson averaged a whole half yard more after contact per carry than, than Bijan did. And, and so Roshan, he's another guy that just, he, he scores so highly for me because he checks all three boxes as far as running goes, which is, you know, vision burst and make you miss potential. Now I don't think Roshan has like a top end speed to be a breakaway threat. He kind of reminds me a lot of David Montgomery where this dude is going to fight for the, the tough yards. He's got really soft hands. He's going to give you, you know, solid checkdown options. You can scheme him up a little, a few throws too. We've seen this with Montgomery in Chicago, where they're hitting him on wheel routes or hitting him on Texas routes. I think you can do the same stuff with Roshan because that acceleration and change of direction skills are, are pretty decent. Now, I do think he lacks the top end juice. He doesn't have the best. Um, he's not the most flexible guy in the world, you know. So he's not gonna, you know, he's not gonna juke a guy out of his shoes, so to speak. But he is gonna break a lot of tackles with just pure physicality. He's a big guy. And then the thing I love most about Roshan is everybody I've talked to that's connected to Texas football or or, or knows Roshan personally just says he is a tremendous human being. All the natural leadership traits. He was a quarterback recruit coming out of high school. Texas recruited him as a quarterback. If you actually go back and look at his statistical profile, he's listed his freshman year as quarterback. So I say that to say like quarterbacks see the game differently. Um, they, they read defenses differently than, than most positions. They have an understanding of what it takes to lead people better than most positions. I know it's a generalization and sort of a cliche, but it is true. And when you hear the the kid talk, you definitely get quarterback vibes. So I think this is this is a dude that could potentially be on every team's board because of the the football character, the intangibles, plus the fact that he is willing to put in the hard, dirty work and get stuff done that a lot of other guys just simply are not. Um, you know, take like a Khalil Herbert, for example, in Chicago. This is a dude who like actively avoids pass protection situations. <laughs> Roshan's not going to do that. He he is he's absolutely going to sell out to be the best version of himself and to improve the team in any way he possibly can. All right, RB four. Now I, I do want to back up a little bit. So starting with Roshan Johnson at my RB four spot, this is a cluster. So I've I've got after Charbonnet, I've got 
let's see, one, two, three, four, I would say five guys kind of in the same group. Uh, starting with Roshan Johnson. Next on my list would be Tajay Spears from Tulane. Now listen, if you're a team that misses, like say you had Jameer Gibbs really high on your board and then you missed him just because maybe value, you just didn't feel like the value was there to take him late first, early second, or someone someone ahead of you took him, Tajay gives you a really similar skill set to Jameer Gibbs, except Tajay might be even a little more tougher um, he might be a little bit better of a true runner between the tackles than than Gibbs. Again, with the size, I'm not going to really be asking them to do a ton of that. I think he's probably best served pairing with another physical running back. I think a good landing spot for Tajay actually would be Detroit with David Montgomery, who you know checks all those boxes. He's going to do all the dirty work, and then Tajay comes in and gives you that DeAndre Swift vibe that they've been trying to get from Swift. But yeah, Tajay, he's he's a he can be a pass game weapon. This guy is capable of teleporting on the field. The way he sets defenders up uh, and you know alters his tempo in, in the open field, stuff like that. He he generates force missed tackles at an incredible rate as well. And he he generates more yards after contact than you would think for a guy his size. He runs pretty tough. Uh, next is Tank Bigsby, Auburn running back. He's my RB six. Again, he's in this cluster of, of about five running backs that I think should round out day two. He is, man, so this is a guy, when I did my preliminary watch on him, I think I did like roughly two games, and it was just like, eh, meh, it's, it is what it is. I, like, I, did, I thought he was okay, didn't fall in love. I, also, his analytical profile is just not great. I think when Scott Barrett drops his uh, RB article, uh, later this week or next week, you will see that like the the analytics aren't tremendous on him, which I value quite a bit. But man, when I got to the right games, he pops, he pops. So I think the two games I preliminarily watched on him just happened to be his two worst games of last year. <laughs> then I dove into some 2021, some 2020, and then and then I ended up watching all all of his 2021 and 2022 tape. And there are some just banger moments on his tape. Like this dude is a complete back in every sense of the word. Um, probably another one of these guys who's not going to be considered a pass game weapon yet. More of just a, a you know, a plus player in the pass game. Pass protection's good. Soft hands can catch, can run, can run routes a little bit. But I think he's got the movement skills to really develop into a guy who you can use as a mismatch weapon. I um, mean, he's just a tough runner. He's going to force a ton of missed tackles, going to generate tons of yards after contact. No player in this draft class was actually responsible for more of their own yards than Tank Bigsby was in terms of yards after contact. So when you I know, you know, he had um I for, I forget the his teammate's name at this point. I'll have to learn his name for next year, but you know, his teammate had a little bit more success from an efficiency standpoint, but when you actually break down the tape, you see Bigsby getting extra guys put in the box when he's on the field. And in fact, I think he averaged about a whole extra defender in the box per run attempt than his teammate did. So that's going to kill efficiency right there. Um, and that also says that teams respected the hell out of him, right? That they're committing extra guys at the box to defend Tank Bigsby. So I, I like everything about this kid. He, he just seems like a really, really good back potential to be a three down guy. All right, next up in my cluster is... Izzy Ebenaconda running back from Pittsburgh and you know he so I, I athleticism is a big part of my score 
I do it a little bit differently than most people. I don't do like Scott uses, he has a, a metric he created called spork. I don't use spork. I have benchmarks. That I like for positions. And basically I have a minimal threshold benchmark for your archetype. And Izzy's archetype is a, you know, early down speedster. So not only did he hit the, the ben, the minimal benchmarks, he also hits what I have set up as elite benchmarks. And when you hit those elite benchmarks, you do get a significant score boost. So I think on tape, I liked Kendra Miller better. I think I liked Chase Brown better on tape. But Izzy jumped those guys because of the crazy testing numbers he put up at his pro day. This dude is a freak of nature athletically. Let's not get it twisted. I, I do think he, he has potential to grow into a better role as well. As of right now, though, I see him purely as an early down running back. He does not catch the ball cleanly, does not catch it well. He is an absolute mess in pass protection. And I've already mentioned most of these guys are bad in pass protection. He takes bad to another level. Um, He's really, really, really going to have to work on that. I think Izzy, though, the athleticism, I, just think about it. Like, I know fantasy guys listening, you get, you really care about draft capital investments. So there's a chance, you know, Roshan doesn't go day two. There's a chance Tajay or Tank don't. I don't think there's any chance Izzy makes it to day three. I think he's going to be a day two pick. We went back into the database and looked at, hey, how many power five running backs have had a thousand yard final season, thousand yard plus, and then hit, we set some, you know, pretty loose benchmarks of athleticism, size, weight, you know, height, weight, speed, vertical like explosive metrics so we sent like pretty loose not not really like super duper elite but close to elite and there's been one since the year 2000 that got drafted on day three uh, that comes anywhere close to how Izzy tested and that was Roy Hallou and you know Roy wasn't a very good player like let's let's not kid ourselves so but the fact that Izzy tested as well as he did at his size in a power five conference with the season he had last year I don't see any way this dude makes it to to round four or beyond. I think he's going to be a day two pick. Moving on, Kendry Miller, Texas Christian running back. He is the, uh, let's see, he's the last early down guy in this cluster. So Kendry, his tape is excellent. Like when he gets to the second level, he makes people pay. He's got some pull away speed. I wouldn't say he's the fastest guy in the world. He's definitely not Izzy Ebenaconda, but he's got enough juice to to make people pay for, you know, for broken tackles or whatnot. He he can hit home runs. He's a grinded out, punch you in the face runner. He he likes contact. He's at his best when his pads are getting north and south, and he's playing with good pad level, delivering blows. When he is the aggressor and he is handing out punishment, that is when Kendra's at his best. Here's the problem. And I don't like going this deep into a problem for a guy I like because I do really like Kendra. But that Texas Christian offense, that spread heavy offense, Kendra saw five, six guy boxes all the time. It's really tough to evaluate. I had this issue with Clyde Edwards Alaire actually at LSU. It's like, yeah, he it looks like he can make guys miss when he has an ocean to work with. When he has, a, you know, an area of space the size of Texas to make a guy miss in, yeah, that lo- it looks easy for him. 
when you get congested though, when those boxes filled up against CEH, you just didn't see it. He didn't have make you miss in a phone booth potential. He did not have the physicality required to break tackles. Kendra, I think does, but we just didn't get to see it a lot. It's tough to evaluate when he's getting, he's averaging seven yards a carry, you know, because he's, he's knifing, he does not getting touched until four yards into his carry. Like, so again, Kendra has a lot of skills. I think he's got a lot of physical talent in his body, but uh, it's tough to evaluate his vision when he didn't really have to have vision. It's tough to evaluate the pace in which he runs because he was not playing in congested areas. And it's tough to evaluate his ability to break tackles because he, he had an ocean to work with. So I do really like Kendra. I don't want to, I don't want to overstate these concerns of mine, but these are, you know, when you see him at RB eight on my board and not higher, this is why. All right. Devin a chain is the next guy, Texas A&M running back. This dude is an absolute speedster. He, he scored as a 75.1 of my system. My cutoff for day two is 75.0. Uh, it's not coincidence. He's right at the cusp. I manually pushed him in. The reason for that is I don't think he's a running back in the NFL. Certainly not a, not a high volume guy. If the team that drafts him went up to the podium and said, with the 64th pick in the you know 2023 NFL draft, the blank team selects wide receiver Devin A. Chain, Texas A&M, I would immediately bump him a whole round in my scoring system because I think that's what he is. He's a slot receiver, some gadget upside. This dude can actually run routes, though. I don't understand why he's going to be a running back in the NFL. I just don't. He's 170 pounds soaking wet. I know he gained a little bit of weight to for the combine. I just I don't think that's his playing weight though. Most people I've talked to said he's a 170 guy. How many 170 pound running backs do we have in the NFL? So I'm not really willing to bet a ton on him as a this you know crazy outlier. So I'm sticking with that early day three, late day two grade. I think that's what he is but he is going to be a weapon in the pass game. This is going to be a guy you're going to get insane big play potential from. But yeah, that, that's about it. He's not going to give you much as a runner. So, and he, so yeah, so for the record, he's the last guy in that five man cluster we talked about. So we had Roshan, Tajay, Tank, Izzy, Kendra, and then Devin H. Actually, that's six guys. So I'm, I'm uh, apparently really bad at math. Roshan Johnson, Tajay Spears, Tank Bigsby, Izzy Abedaconda, Kendra Miller, Devin A. Chain. That is basically my third tier of running back, and that completes the day two guys for me. So let's uh, let's hit a couple guys. Actually, we're running out of time. We're not even be able to get to tight ends today because I've just blabbed so much about the running backs. But that's okay. We're gonna. I, I want to highlight a couple more guys that I have day three grades on, but I think have potential to be very good. Uh, let's start with Chase Brown, Illinois running back. He's my RB ten. I do think there's another chance. This is another guy that's probably going to go day two because the same reasons I mentioned for Izzy Abinaconda. Chase Brown, he weighed in at 214 at the Senior Bowl, 209 at the Combine. He's a little, he's got some size to him. He's got the crazy speed, you know, insane burst acceleration, 40 time. He actually is a legit track star, but like A Chain, when you see Chase Brown in real life, when you see him in person, just wearing shorts and a t shirt, his thighs are as big as mine. And I'm 235 pounds, and I deadlift over 600 and squat an insane amount as well. 
and Chase Brown's thighs are bigger than mine, and he I outweigh him by twenty five pounds. So, yeah, the dude the dude has the, the the lower half that makes you go whoa, you know, for the running back position. He's yes. My issue with Chase and the reason he doesn't score better is he doesn't do much beyond his blockers. He need if he gets a crease, he can smash it. He'll get you the home run. You know, he'll, he'll hit a ton of these big carries, but he needs the crease. He's not going to invent the crease. He's not going to force a lot of missed tackles. He's not a guy who, who's really going to play overly physical as well. He's not going to lower shoulder and and drive for an extra five, six yards. We don't see that from him a ton, which is disappointing when you think about the legs. Think about how big those thighs are. He should be able to absorb contact a little bit better and keep those legs turning. Maybe Maybe someone can coach that out of him. But as it stands right now, I'm going to bet on the guys that are already doing it. Um, I also think he can give you a little bit in the pass game. I was surprised at because he looks kind of stiff on tape. I think that's why he struggles to make guys miss because he does look stiff in the hips, more of a straight line sprinter type. But we were down at the senior bowl watching him run routes. I was surprised at how fluid he was getting in and out of his breaks. I think maybe there's some more in that body that we could we could get coached out of him, perhaps. If that's the case, he's going to be a better player than people think. But with that said, Chase Brown scores. He is the the early day three grade for me. Again, though, I do think he'll probably go higher than maybe a Kendra, higher than a, a Tank Bigsby, maybe higher than maybe a Tajay Spears, just because of the what we talked about earlier with the you know power five runner, sixteen hundred yards as a senior, and then all the the testing measurables that he he knocked out. So, all right, let's go. Should we talk about Evan Hall for a second? Yeah, let's talk about Evan Hall for a second. I've been, I guess my my score on him has been consistent through the process. My stated opinion of him on the record has entirely been predicated on who I'm talking to. So when I talk to guys like my buddies over at Fantasy Pros, Derek Brown and Thor Nystrom, they love Evan Hall. And... But when I actually pushed their feet to the fire, they weren't really willing to plant their flag on Evan Hall more than I was. I'm calling Evan Hall an early day three pick. That's about what they're calling him. So I don't, I don't really know where the debate is on that front. But I do think Evan Hall offers you more as a pass catcher right now than he does as a runner. He's another guy who's pretty stiff. He's got good open field speed, but he's not going to make a lot of guys miss. So he in the run game, he needs creases. If he lands with the team with the bad offensive line, I think he will have a tremendously slow start to his career in the run game. But he does have really nice hands. He can run some really nice routes. So I, I think uh, I think there's a chance for him. Kenny McIntosh, Georgia running back, same thing real quick. This guy, this guy who he's bigger than we thought. He weighed in like 210. Um, disappointed kind of at the combine. I thought he was going to run faster. I thought he was going to test a lot better than he did. That said, sometimes this happens, and, and when you're talking about day three running backs, the athleticism stuff kind of doesn't matter anymore, right? Um, those guys are typ- typically gone anyways. You're looking for a guy who can contribute, a guy who can play special teams. McIntosh checks those boxes, and he's going to give you a lot as a pass catcher. What he did to Arkansas linebacker Drew Sanders in their games was disgusting. It was disgusting. So he, I mean, Sanders obviously is more... He profiles more as an edge defender for me, but he was playing off the ball in these games, and McIntosh just put him in a blender over and over. Beat him downfield on a couple wheel routes. I just McIntosh has got some some legitimate savviness as a as a route runner, pass catcher. I think he's going to contribute early there. And then he's he's a little underrated as a runner as well. 
He's 210 pounds. He runs pretty physically for a guy who is kind of viewed as more of a finesse player. All right, let's do one more and we will get out of here. Actually, let's do three more. Dwayne McBride, uh, UAB running back here. Early down only, he caught five passes in three years of college football. I can't get on board as far as the pass catching goes, but he does run very physically. Big problem for me why he doesn't score better because I know I'm going to get that question. He, um, the, the level of competition, it's just like some of those runs where he's breaking seven tag, it's just so sloppy. It's not like real football. So I am discounting him a little bit there. Sean Tucker, Syracuse. I see him as a knockoff version of Chase Brown. You know, he's another guy, straight line speed for days, little tight in the hips, not going to make guys miss in the open field, not going to fight for extra yards. Although when he decided to do that at college, he was good at it. So he can play more physically if he puts his mind to it. Um, but he's a disaster in the pass game. Uh, hands are bad. Uh, hands technique specifically is bad. He's either clapping at the ball or he's letting it get into his body. Super strange. Not a fan. Uh, pass pro also a mess. Uh, some unwillingness on tape to engage with physicality. Also kind of lunges. Likes to likes to throw unnecessary cut blocks out there. Not a big Sean Tucker guy in the pass game. Eric Gray, and this is the last guy we will talk about today. Oklahoma running back. This is a dude that, you know, he scores as a as a late day three guy for me, but I like him. I don't know how that makes any sense. He just he does everything at like an average level. Doesn't have a real weakness to his game. Not a real strength guy either, but he's he's got NFL size. He's a pretty decent athlete. He's not a bad athlete. He's pretty decent in pass pro. He can catch a little bit. He can run a little bit. It's kind of weird. I, I, I'm, I'm shocked at you know how he scored for me. I think he just doesn't do anything. Not one thing. I would say consistently at an above average level. But he's also a guy who's not going to get you killed. If Eric Gray can prove to a team he can play special teams, and, and be a dude there. I, this is another one of these guys. Like You could draft him in the sixth round maybe, and he, you could see him getting playing time early in his career because coaches might just like him because he is a dog. He's got that mentality, and he does everything okay. You know, you're not going to have to coach him up a ton. So I think as a rotational back, a, a solid backup, this is a guy who has some value as a late-round pick. What that means for fantasy, I honestly have no freaking clue. Maybe in a di- deep dynasty leagues, he's a he's a deep deep stash for you. But um, if you if you play in Devi leagues, you probably already have him because he was a high recruit at Tennessee. Um, most Devi leagues, he is drafted in. So, anyways, that's gonna do it for today. Running back group very strong in this draft class. I don't know that you're gonna get a ton of dogs, a ton of bell cow type guys, but the NFL doesn't really do that anymore. So. I do think you're going to get a lot of contributors, though, out of this class. And I do think we will break last year's six day two picks this year with maybe eight or nine. That's going to do it for today. I'll be back with some tight ends and maybe we'll get another position in the final talk. So Thanks for tuning in to this edition of the Fantasy Points Podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite platform. And come join the roster at FantasyPoints.com.